Hello and welcome to What on at Cine World Cinemas. I am Luke Owen. And I'm Dan Layton. Hello, Daniel. Hi, Luke. How are you? I'm very well, mate. How are you? Good. Is your full name Lucian or are you just a Luke? Just a Luke. Well, you're Lucian to me now, friend. Uh, just Luke Stephen Owen with a PH <laughs> spelt correctly. Lovely. Okay, I'm out. Noted. Duly noted. Um, because, I mean, last week you and I talked about the Monsterverse. We did. Monster, Monster, Monster. Mm. And talked about... Uh, the sequel to Godzilla vs. Kong, yeah. which is, you know, rumoured to be called Son of Godzilla. Yeah. Uh, Son, of Co- Son, Son of Kong, Kong even. Um, and Al Haram here. Look at that as a comment. Yes, I did see this one. A and I was four, very impressed. Four paragraphs. For an essay. For, uh, for a comment. Uh, talking about how uh, it's gone, undergone an interesting evolution. Godzilla 2014 was like the original, very dark, really yeah. subtle, very much about the human element of trauma and destruction. Mm. Kong Skull Island was evocative of the 1933 Kong with a cynical postmodern, postmodern sensibility. Mm. And then King of the Monsters went full on apocalyptic. Godzilla vs. Kong was a collision not just of the two monsters, but their different approach to monster films. Godzilla was a creature beyond humanity that feeds on destruction, energy, the wrath of nature against humanity's indiscretions. Kong is more of a liminal figure between man and beast, closer to humanity than the other titans. Mm. Godzilla vs. Kong 2 has the opportunity to do something really cool and interesting, a proper apocalypse. At some point, the constant struggles amongst the titans could cause ruptures in the earth itself. Real hellfire and brimstone stuff. Continents collapsing, seas draining, subterraneous chasms, life we know it, depending on the titan stopping whatever the major threat is, Destroyer seems the most likely, before all life is exterminated. Perhaps both Kong and Godzilla perish in the battle, with their sons inheriting their destiny and old feuds. Earth is saved, at least what's left of it. Which brings us to Godzilla vs. Kong 3, which brings us to a natural conclusion. A broken, ruined, post-apocalyptic Earth where humanity is scattered and the titans rule. The descendants of Kong and Godzilla have repopulated, and tension between the two great titan races reaches boiling point. Some remnants of civilizations remain in great fortress cities, others took to space, dwelled in the decrepit stations, are almost neo-hunter gatherers who worship the titans as gods. The other titans must choose a side, as must the humans. Who will rule the ashes of this blasted planet, the gods or the kings? Yes, first of all, he does say that is the plot to the classic fighting game Primal Rage. <laughs> first of all, irritated that they put it better than we did. Um, <laughs> Second of all, you didn't know when you downloaded the podcast this week you were getting an audiobook, but you're welcome. Third of all, doesn't that all sound great, though? Like, mm. as, what, what a great summation of the movies thus far and the projection for where they could go. I'm very into the whole, you know, post-apocalyptic big boys having a smash. Uh, I just hope that it, they do it slightly better than Pacific Rim 2 did. Well, I mean, the bar is low. <laughs> Um, also, some lovely comments here. Haven, finally I can get back to thirsting over Dan, how I've missed uh, you. You're welcome. Uh, Rich Nor says, Dan! <laughs> also, hello, Luke. Uh, Just No Yes says, hello, sexy version of Blompier, a.k.a. Dan. <laughs> Put it on a poster. Sell it. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's, no, no, well, sexy, singular. Uh, and also, as Godzilla vs. Kong 2 should have a giant Frankenstein monster. The Willis O'Brien eyed to the first Godzilla vs. Kong. You just said, I mean, it's not in, related in any way, shape, or form, but since you said Frankenstein, and since we were talking about the monster verse, I was thinking about the dark universe on the way here. <gasps> yes. And then please. I was thinking about, because the Spider verse related to Morbius coming out this week. I was thinking about the whole idea of it, it, it. All of the villains are getting their own sort of movies, and how that is essentially if done right, kind of a throwback to the sort of 50s B-movie, you know, The Blob, 
and then you know all of the classic universal monsters and all that kind of stuff that would just be a really interesting thing to do. I'm going to bring this up in the outro portion of this podcast. Oh. But first, we've got to review Sonic the Hedgehog 2. Here's the main show. So we saw Sonic 2 last week. We did do that, yeah. Um, we're now allowed to do more than just our GIF reactions oh, that yeah. we did Love last the week. the social reactions. We can give actual reactions. Actual reactions yeah. to it. So uh, first off, like your thoughts on the first movie mm -hmm. and then your immediate thoughts that came out after seeing it last weekend. Well, the first movie was uh, mired in a bit of a what's about to happen here because of the... Um, original design of, of the main character mm -hmm. which I did look I forgot what it looked like and I re I relooked at it last night um with his it, it, it Sonic's legs shouldn't look like my legs in skinny jeans that's not you know it's not the vibe so when they did the redesign it was like okay that is considerably better what is this movie gonna be and so I went in and was actually very pleasantly surprised by how just simple fun it was there were a couple of jokes in there that I was a bit like well I wasn't expecting you to make the joke in this film Jim Carrey doing the most. Uh, so I was I was quite pleasantly surprised. So when uh, there was a, a second one, I was a little bit more on the side of, okay, see what, you, see what you're gonna do. You've got more faith in me this time. And yeah, I think it came through. So I had a, a moment when I was watching the trailer for mm. the second movie. I was very excited by the second movie because I really, really enjoyed the first one. Yeah. I thought it was so much better than it probably had any rights to yeah, be. Yeah, that's, that's very true. And it felt like it was the Sonic movie that I would have got in the 90s mm. as a child. Like, yeah. Like it's the sort of, yeah. yeah, I went to the pictures as a child in the 90s and I'd be like, oh, cool, that's the Sonic Hedgehog movie I would have expected to have seen. Yeah. So I, I liked it from that aspect of it. And then when I saw the trailer for the next one, it's like, okay, cool. Well, now uh, Tails is in it, mm -hmm. and Knuckles is in mm -hmm. it, and it's the full Dr. Robotnik look. Oh, and look, he's got the biplane. Oh, look, it's the Death Egg. Yeah. Oh, look, they've got the Chaos Emeralds and stuff. And I was like, what? Oh, it look, it's a text from my friend Jack. And it reminded me of uh, the second Turtles movie in the Bayverse when it was just like, okay, well, you didn't like the first movie that much. Yeah. Here's Bebop. Here's Rocksteady. Right. Here's we'll, the we'll Technodrome. All of them. Yeah, here's Krang. And then it was just like, we're just going to dump all of the fan service stuff onto yeah. you. And there was a moment where I was like, uh, is this going to be too much now? Mm. And I, what I really enjoyed about it actually is that it didn't feel like it was too much. Mm. It really did just feel like this is Sonic 2 slash Sonic 3. Not so much Sonic and Knuckles, but certainly Sonic 2 and Sonic 3 yeah. writ large up on the big screen. Yeah, and I think what you said about it being the film that you would have got in the 90s is very, very accurate because there's something about it which is very um, playful. Yeah, and I think joyous. That it's doesn't, a kids film. It's a kids film, exactly. It's a proper family film that hasn't. That I, th I think a lot of the family films try too hard these days to be, but the parents here's, uh, uh, and like the best films of that era that do do that are very subtle with that kind of thing. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I had. I, I don't mean this as a dig because there are some people who will see this as a dig, but it reminded me kind of of the late Joel Schumacher Batman films mm -hmm. in its sort of lightness and it's it's fluffiness and i enjoyed it crikey it is light isn't yeah. it yeah like it is just a there's a moment during the movie and this is i don't think this is a spoiler i think it's in one of the trailers there's a dance sequence yeah there is a full dance sequence a full-on dance sequence yeah. in the movie and that was the point where i was like oh yeah this is a franchise made for children yeah 
I am pushing 40 and I'm excited <laughs> to see it. It's fun. It's just fun. But it is fun. And I think we, I always talk about uh, missing like an earnestness in Hollywood. And uh, I think everything's trying to be too uh, self-aware and too meta. And I think there's something just quite charming about Sonic. And I think that James Marsden's a wonderful screen presence. He's yeah. a really, I, I feel very comfy when I see him, if you know what I mean. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got this kind of, and he's playing that like dad role in the in the franchise and that does make you attached to him in a way and same yeah. with uh, tika sumter as well yeah. playing the sort of the, the female version of that they're wonderful yeah like it's a i really buy the whole family yeah i really did buy yeah. into it a lot like i don't think because the film is then so much focused on sonic and tails and knuckles and robotnik mm. that stuff does actually almost fall to the wayside which yeah. actually was one of the things that people didn't like so much about the first movie was there's too much focus on the humans mm. like i remember a friend of mine saw it and he said i went to that picture to see sonic the hedgehog not james marston the human mm. and and i totally get that yeah and i think this film does focus so much more on the Sonic stuff that actually some of that james marston stuff yeah does sort of fall more to the wayside it's interesting that this movie has a c-plot <laughs> it does. You know what I mean? It does. That's yeah. given time. Oh yeah, and has a. And I will say, I didn't realize how viscerally. I don't know if you remember how this oh, happened. Oh, I do. How viscerally I have a hatred for the sister character from the first Rachel. movie. <laughs> She's not- so unreasonable. <laughs> Friend of mine, where are you in this uh, little uh, screening of the movie? Yeah, and we're just watching the film and stuff. And Rachel comes up on screen, and you lent across to me, was like, "Oh my god, did you remember the first movie?" I was unreasonable. She I just, was. it was, it was instant. I'd forgotten how like passionate I was. Like, this is the true villain of the film. <laughs> she just because she just didn't like James Marsden for no reason. Like they didn't give us a reason. Um, and she has her moments in the movie as well. She she had a redemption arc kind of for me. I found myself more on the side. <laughs> Rachel, the sister. Also, we've got to give a big shout out to Jim Carrey in this one. Oh, yeah. And because he spends most of the movie acting against nothing, Mm. because he is just surrounded by CG characters, he is going for it. Oh, yeah. He's doing the most Jim Carrey you've ever seen. He is acting for all four of them. Yeah. Because there's no other actors on... He's like, well, I've got to do the work of four actors Mm. here. And he just goes for it so hard. Have you ever seen the... um, uh, outtakes of Bruce Almighty. Yes. So there's a moment in that where he's um, basically just said, here is a set of bakery goods. Go. And he does an entire, he just like, it's like the camera's rolling and he's like, how many jokes can I come up with with whatever? And I feel like that's kind of what's happening on, on the set. It's like, here's the scene, here are the beats and the points. The rest is up to you, Jim. And he's and it's just the perfect think? casting for yeah. Robotnik as well. I when I did my interview with him, which will be coming up uh, very shortly. Did you interview Jim Carrey? I did interview Jim Casual. Carrey. Um, I called him in that interview. You're an icon of the '90s because mm. I think he is like an oh, icon yeah. of '90s cinema. Yeah. Particularly, like you look at the, the three film run he had in '94, mm-hmm. which was Ace Ventura. Oh, it was Dumb and Dumber, then Ace Ventura and The Mask. Yeah. So maybe not in that. Maybe it was The Mask. Ace Ventura. Either way, it was like mm. those three movies back to back. Yeah. And it's just like, what, box it. what an incredible run that was. Yeah. And then, you know, we haven't seen much of him through the 2000s. But this, it feels like a Jim Carrey resurgence. Yeah. And starring alongside another icon of the 90s in Sonic. Mm. It's just such a beautiful marriage. Yeah, you're there. right. That's so true. I hadn't thought of it like that. That is really true. And I think, like, I mean, we know Jim Carrey, the, like, the, not just his comedy movies. You also have the Truman Show. Mm. Oh, after. superb, yeah. Um, and his real serious portrayal he did in Batman Forever. Oh, my God. And I... I'm, 
fair that Riddler. Just gonna say it. Um, <laughs> I'm glad someone else is saying it. But um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I think he's. I think he's wonderful. I think that the the giving him a justification for looking the way he does now, like the classic robotic we had kind of thing. I also love everything to do with him. I for the life of me can't remember his assistant's name, but you know, the, yeah, yeah, he, yeah, the coffee so, guy, the coffee guy. So he's running a um a coffee shop, which by the way I would frequent. It's also just you know, it's called the Mean Bean coffee house is that right? yeah dr robotnik's mean bean machine was a game on the sega mega drive there you go okay well that that's the level of detail i respect from these filmmakers i saw it and it was in the first one so i was like that's good that's good yeah okay. well i would drink there i would drink at the mean bean and um yeah i just i'd re- i like their like i think there's something really funny about his performance as well and the dynamic that they have together and the sort of the world there's, i mean if you open with a, a, a little latte art joke i'm all about it and you know, the man just sort of I'm into it. Yeah, I, I had a blast watching Sonic 2. I, I really, really enjoyed it. And not just because I'm a Sonic nerd. That yeah. it's just I love the franchise and this and it. And when I say I love the franchise, I love the franchise until about 1995. Right. And, then, and it's carried on. Uh, it's goodwill has been making you ride since then. Pretty much. Like the Dreamcast yeah. games, eh, mm. I think they're all right. And then a lot of the 3D games I'm not into at all until yeah. like Sonic Mania a couple of years ago. So like my love of the Sonic franchise started in 1991 and ended in 1995. <laughs> but I am- here we are in 2020. <laughs> And I'm still being like, I love Sonic. Yeah. (laughs) But I, as a fan of the franchise and a fan of that era of the franchise in particular, like it gave me everything that I wanted from that movie, and I just had so much fun with it. And like, you know, you see in the trailer, like Sonic and Tails going up against the Death Egg and all this sort of stuff. I was just like, this is so good. But outside of that, just as a film and for a kids' film and a family film. It's just so much fun. As someone with absolutely no affection or attachment to the Sonic franchise, who just is a fan of a nice time, I had a nice time. Well, we also had the chance, I say we, I also had the chance to sit down with Jim Carrey. That I can it much. No, well, yeah, you know, I interviewed Jim Carrey. Um, and now you can watch me interview Jim Carrey. Who? As an icon of the 90s, you are on screen with three other icons of the 90s in Sonic, Tails and Knuckles. Yeah. How is that for you? It's been a battle of good and evil since 1993, man. We were both born into the zeitgeist at the same time. It's crazy and amazing <laughs> and like and, and fitting that we should be at odds together. It's like... Uh, Muhammad Ali and and uh, Joe Frazier or something like that. It's just going to go on and on. What do I need to do to really pull off the Dr. Robotnik look? Uh, go back and start reading more. No. Okay. Giant. No. <laughs> no, I mean, honestly, I think that uh, Robotnik had a giant black hole inside him from a very early age, and he filled it with knowledge. He ate from the tree of knowledge. And uh, and uh, he he became uh, he became something that can never be quenched, you know. And I think he wants to control the entire world and enslave mankind, not unlike you know a Putin or a. You know? I mean, there's there's plenty of that popping up here and there these days, you know. Uh, yeah, but I like your look. I think it's great. Of course, Sonic is our big release this week, but you can also check out The Bad Guys and the long-awaited 
Morbius. Very longly, longly awaited. <laughs> yeah. Bad English on my part, but you know, nonetheless, it's out. It's the new mutants. New mutants. It's the new new mutants in Morbius. You can also get tickets for The Batman, Ambulance, and RRR. And you can book tickets now for Fantastic Beasts, Secrets of Dumbledore, Downton Abbey, and The Lost City. Let me tell you something about The Lost City. Did you get to go and see it? Well, Luke. Oh, you know damn. I've been hustling because I'm very excited for this film. I was on the tube yesterday and I saw a poster for it and my first thought was I need to ask Dan yeah. if he finally got a chance to go and see it. Well, we had an unlimited screening of it a couple of days ago and I was unfortunately unable to attend because I had dinner plans, which I did nearly cancel, but I felt, you know, friendship and all the rest. Um, but then, do you remember how I'm very special? Oh, I do know how you're special. Yeah. Guess where I'm going tonight. Where are you going to tonight? Maybe a little premiere. Maybe a little, uh, little, little carpet event with the stars of the film. Really? Now you're going to the red carpet events of the Lost City. Who knows if it's red? There may, there may be no carpet. They may just go, just go like you know, gravel. <laughs> it's a jungle out there. Who knows? But I've been told the Radcliffe is going to be there, so I'll bring him next week if he is. Radders did an interview on yeah. an American television show last week where uh, they asked him about: uh, Is it true as a Brit? that you learn everything about America through The Simpsons. <laughs> and well, I was listening to a podcast by Americans that were like, is this true? Did a lot of Brits find out, discover things about America through The Simpsons? And I was like, yes. For you, yes. But for me, and Radders is the same age as me, it's Friends more than The Simpsons that I learn all of my America stuff from. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. And I've been doing a little rewatch of that. You have, because you and I have got some thoughts. Oh, yeah. You're so wrong, <laughs> no, by the way. I think you're wrong. Pop it in the comments below. <laughs> Rachel and Joey, yay or nay? I'm a big nay. It's a big thumbs up. Hard nay. pass. It's a, it's, hard pass. It's a hard... What's the opposite of pass? Um, go? <laughs> it's, a, it's a hard go from me. We'll talk in a minute. On April 21st, there is a special screening of NT Live's performance of Henry V. Now you Henry V. I'm going to keep calling it Henry V. Come on. What do you want me to call it? Henry the Fifth. And I want you to say it like you mean it every time. I want you to say it like you you have come from Radio yourself, from your diaphragm. Henry the Fifth. All right, let me, let me set up my chair here. Oh, Henry the Fifth. Aha. NT Live's performance of Henry V. Oh, come on. And we also had the chance to sit down with its star, Kit Harrington. And here's what he had to say. Get into that. Yes, yeah, so Henry the Fifth follows King Henry V uh, in his invasion of France and it follows um, uh, that uh, campaign of his um, and and the war that entailed, uh, famously known as Agincourt, um, and his eventual victory um, in that campaign. Um, and over the years, it's sort of been interpreted in many different ways. It's been a, a very patriotic play for England and the UK. Our take on it, our take on it is something slightly different um, and questions the idea of invasion and also patriotism and uh, colonialism. And you can also click the link in the video description down below to check out the unlimited screening of Operation Mincemeat on Tuesday the 5th of April.
But that's all we've got time for on this edition of What's On at Cineworld Cinemas. Please do click the link in the video description down below to check out any of the movies that we discussed today, including Sonic the Hedgehog 2, which we didn't actually talk about what our pick of the week's were. That is oh, yeah. my pick of the week. Yeah, it's mine too. Yeah, yeah. Although I do, I do, I am keen to see Ambu LA and it's, that's how it's Oh, on the right. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's good. Thank you. It's another one I was working on all week. I am obsessed with the Dark Universe. Okay, let's talk about it. Oh, obsessed with yeah. the Dark Universe and what could have been. Oh, yeah. I might be the only person on this planet other than Tom Cruise that liked The Mummy. Um, I didn't hate The Mummy. I, I'm very basic, though. So, I, you know, I'll find good things in most things. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, had a gr I had a good time watching it. Yeah. And I very much enjoyed Russell Crowe's insane performance. Unhinged performance, but I had a good, he was having a good time, so I was having a good time. Exactly, as Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Yeah. I loved the um, uh, crowbarred in references to upcoming movies. Yeah. Be, Look, the creature. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I was excited for like Angelina Jolie as Bride of Frankenstein, mm. Javier Bardem as the monster, Johnny Depp as the Invisible Man. It was like all of these like big grand plans for it. I'm being so super duper excited for it. That lovely picture they put together. Uh, oh yes, they didn't... stitched together of several <laughs> different pictures. <laughs> no, I don't know. I I I like um, the, I like the idea of it. I like the the Phantom of the Opera, but doing not the musical version, doing the classic, you know, mm -hmm. a, a retelling of that gothic romance kind of thing. Um, I was just I was just into the whole concept, but I think the problem was they didn't flesh out what the concept was before they just went barreling in. Yeah, they a bit Leroy Jenkins did. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And it was like it was like. When you see the first movie and it already has an eye dent, and that's the first thing you see before any of the movie. So that Universal logo and then it spins around yeah. into the Dark Universe thing. I'm not kidding. Literally the entire cinema that I was at went, oh. Yeah. <laughs> they were like, oh, this was not, this was too early to be branding yourself in such a way. I also think it's a fascinating story of uh, Hollywood. Uh, uh, well, actually, uh, an idea mm. meeting Hollywood titans mm. because they had this whole concept of this sort of like grown universe thing. We're going to make these horror movies and then they're going to be this and we're going to do this and it's going to be big by casting in Tom Cruise. Yeah. And Tom Cruise comes in and be like, well, here's what the movie is going to be. Yeah. And he then makes it his movie and then the whole thing just completely falls And it falls is apart. like a, a Tom Cruise sort of Mission Impossible is. action movie kind of thing. And that's not necessarily what the dark universe yeah. would invite. And I loved the Elizabeth Moss uh, Invisible Man movie. Mm, yeah, one of the last ones before the, the old, you know, situation, wasn't mm -hmm. it? Yeah, that, Very well well, from uh, Jersey Shore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Him. Jim Tan. Do you remember him? <laughs> Goodness gracious. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I'm looking forward to seeing what comes of uh, Renfield and with uh, Nicolas Cage's Dracula and whether or not mm. they are going oh, yes. still try and do this uh, expanded universe of movies, but now just do it more in that Blumhouse style of, let's not spend 150 million, let's just spend 15. Because it, uh, it's always been the way that constraints force a better movie because it forces you to become more creative. See Jaws, that's like the classic example of they had 
budget issues, and so they couldn't make a big shark that looked good, and so they changed it. Did you see that there was a whole conversation recently about going back and doing Jaws again with, um, with but now we've got a budget, we can make the shark? Hmm. And I was like, that entirely defeats the point of Jaws and what makes Jaws so good. Yeah, I just hope they put some at-ats walking in the background yeah. as well. <laughs> <laughs> Let's reinsert uh, that Jabba the Hut scene. Uh, Lars, before we get out of here, Steel Rain said, I really enjoyed Godzilla vs. Kong, although if I'm completely honest, I really wanted Kong to win. Um, yeah. sort of does. Jonathan says, Destroy All Monsters should be remade with Destroyer thrown in. And lastly, the anonymous Goonhausen says, The way that Luke pronounces Queensland cracks me up. Queen, it's Queensland. Is it Queensland? They, um, well, Australians say Queen. I'm from Queensland. And I was saying Queensland. In a very classic way. Which is a similar way of how in America they say Birmingham or Glasgow. Yeah. I remember I, was, I met Kevin Smith once when I was mm. at university in Portsmouth. And he said... Sorry, you just dropped um, a name. Yeah, I did, yeah. I interviewed him for my dissertation, no less. Oh, that's a get for your dissertation. Yeah. Well, I, 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 I cheated. He was doing a Q&A uh, at a cinema, and right. I went to that Q&A, and then I cited it as one of my interviews that I did. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Use the old noggin. I see, I see. Uh, and he asked me where I was attending university, and I said Portsmouth, and he couldn't work out. And then he went, oh, Portsmouth. Portsmouth. My favourite one was John McEnroe once pronounced it Leicester Square. <laughs> And so now I call it Leicester Square. That's delightful. Yeah. Um, can't remember the point I was going to make now. Oh, uh, people used to tell me off for saying uh, New Orleans rather than oh, New, New Orleans. Orleans. Yeah. And New Orleans. Yeah. And there was another one in uh, New Zealand that I got wrong as well. And then I actually asked someone about it, and they. Just... Damn it! I can't remember what it is. Anyway, well, this was, that was a great anecdote. Had it you nearly was, wasn't it? Yeah. It nearly was a good anecdote. And I cannot remember for the life of me what it. My was. friend Jack pronounces it. Los Angeles, but he like really puts all the emphasis on the S, and every single time. I was in Los Angeles the other day, <laughs> and I was like, not in the middle of a sentence, Jack. I'm on, I'm on, I'm on a schedule. <laughs> anyway, we are going to wrap this podcast up because Pete's looking to come into the room, and I'm actually just making this last longer, so yeah. that he has to stand out, out there awkwardly. What other places are there that are pronounced weirdly? <laughs> That's relevant to the show. Uh, but until then, I have been Luke Owen. And I've been Dan Loton. And that's what's on. <laughs>